Have you been involved in a rent-to-buy or rent-to-own scheme? These are sold as helping you save for a deposit or uh, on a home that you're already renting. And the pamphlets sound great, but there are big pitfalls for some people. If you've tried this, did it work for you? Or did it leave you high and dry? Or perhaps you've seen someone go through a rent-to-buy or rent-to-own scheme like this. Dr Chris Martin is with us. He's a Senior Research Fellow at the University of New South Wales City Futures Research Centre. Chris, great to have you on, on the program. G'day, Hilary. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. And Leo Patterson-Ross is the CEO of Tenants Union New South Wales. Leo, hello. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's really good to have you both here, I think, because, uh, I mean, this is not a huge sector of the market, but it's a, you can see why it might be an appealing sector. Chris Martin, tell us how rent-to-buy schemes actually work. Sure. Um, well, there are, there's, there are an arrangement where a person, you, the resident, uh, agrees to pay rent for the property you, you live in, uh, but you also pay an additional amount, which is often called... A, a, an, an option fee, um, and that pays for the your right to purchase the premises at some point in the future at an agreed price. And and when that point in the future comes, then you're supposed to get housing finance together to to complete the sale. So, so that that's that option the, that's typically how they work. So the option doesn't mean you're actually paying money towards the house. It's just a annual fee to reserve your right to buy that house. Uh, that's where it gets a bit complicated. Um, there, uh, these these things do have a long history, and historically, just what your what you were paying for uh, was a, a, an option fee, and there were uh, you know there were really bad stories about people who had paid their option fees, um, and when the time came to buy, they, they couldn't get finance. This was the reason why they got into the situation in the first place, because they couldn't get finance at that time and they were hoping to get finance in the future. Unable to get finance in the future, couldn't complete the sale and they would lose that additional option fee that they'd paid along the way. So they they got burnt badly by it. At least um, there, there are now rules in Victoria that are pretty much generally banned rent to buy arrangements except where they comply with this narrow set of rules and and one of those rules is that those option fees you pay go into a bank account and they and when the time comes to 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 buy the property they either go towards the purchase price or if you don't complete the sale they go back to you so but that's that's what victoria did um the uh uh, I don't know that other states and other states and doesn't don't seem to have done the the same thing as Victoria. So that's a that's a a really crucial question about how these things are operating now because mm. there have um, there has been a change in the sector and new players have got involved and they they do present a bit more reputably than the um, frankly uh, dodgy operators at least of the past. But there are still questions about how these things operate that I think fair trading agencies really should be clearing up. So basically, I mean, you're getting a bit of space to save a deposit on a place that you get to live in during that time. Does that mean that you're paying more rent than you would be somewhere else? They're charging above market rental rates? Uh, that's a suggestion, yeah. It, it looks like the rent's 
the the the, the rents in these uh, arrangements are pretty high as well and, and i guess you've you've got a pretty committed person they've found a place they want to live in and and want to own as well and there is a suggestion that the rents being paid in them are pretty high as well so the the operators of these schemes make money on the on the rental income that's coming in um and 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 then there's time then there comes the time when, when, when they sell it and the agreed price the um there's an additional there's an additional complication or initial question that has that arises around these schemes now, and and that's around the uh, the price, the, the agreed price that that people participating in this in these schemes uh, are going to pay, and we've just I mean the, the the pitch of these schemes was prices keep rising, getting into one of these schemes means that you you lock in the price that you're going to pay in a few years' time. We've just been through a, a, a pretty significant shift in the housing market where we had a big boom in prices, but over the last 12 months, price, house prices have come down mm. from, from that boom as interest rates have, have risen. And I do think there is, aside from risks to, um, to consumers, to people getting involved as residents in these schemes, there is a question in my mind about how many of those arrangements have set prices that are no longer that that are high, that are going to be higher than what the market is now, and mm. and whether people will be pulling out of these schemes and what that means for the schemes themselves. Yeah, I was reading one where the, the purchase price is agreed, but then it goes up three point eight percent a year. So that's another factor to consider if you're thinking about getting involved in rent to buy. You've been hearing from Dr. Chris Martin from the University of New South Wales City Futures Research. Leo Patterson Ross, CEO of Tenants Union New South Wales. What's your view of rent to own schemes? So, uh, look, as you said in the, in the introduction, it's not a large portion of the market. The the, the numbers have fallen, and and really, uh, it seems to be smaller than it than it used to be when it was even less regulated. Um, the big problems that people come up with, as well as the finance, is that your status in the home is. Uh, can be unclear or, or, or can differ from at least what people might understand or think is common sense. So, uh, rent to own uh, schemes aren't covered by residential tenancy acts because uh, you are a purchaser uh, of a property um, and so you, you're written out of the act in exclusion there. And the assessment of your uh, ability to, to, to pay and, and your um, the, the way that you interact with the owners isn't often under uh, fair lending laws and those kind of restrictions that are on the bank, that the people who are giving you finance, which is often the protection, uh, as limited as it might be, from people making poor financial decisions around uh, purchasing a property. So there's sort of, you're in this kind of odd middle ground where uh, you, you don't really have um, the, the same ability to resolve disputes that you might think, um, particularly when it comes to you know, the, the repairs to the property, uh, to if there is some financial problem, you know, you, you fall into arrears on the payments, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, it was interesting to read that some of the the uh, organisations behind the businesses behind them include things like rates and water and maintenance in the rent that you pay, and some don't. You have to pay that on top. Um, so, does that mean that you would you have the same protections, for example, when it comes to saying, "Hey, I, I need an urgent repair on my hot water service" or something like that? 
No, so you know these are essentially these are contracts that you make with the company, and and if you think that the terms are acceptable, that's the the terms. They are covered by uh, consumer law, but the so so what they to tell you they're going to give you has to be there, and there is some protection against um, uh, unconscionable conduct. But on something like a repairs issue, you, you can't go and look at the renting laws and see a, a system that will apply to you. And you were saying it's it's a small sector of the market, Leo. Does that mean uh, you you have as wide a choice of properties as you would if you were just looking to rent or buy in in the usual market? Well, you know, most renters don't have a wide choice to start with because there's so few places that are affordable and uh, meet their needs in the location that they want and so on. But yes, the, the the range is limited. It's it's dependent on that company essentially already owning the the the, the building, um, and it's and and because there's so few players, you're limited to the stock that they have, mm. uh, and so it does tend to be in kind of newer developments. We hear about it a lot more, uh, really, on in the fringes of cities and in regional areas um, than across the, the majority of, of the cities. Um, but there are exceptions, you know. There, there is a, a, a quite a range of um, players, and you know, we're seeing new. Uh, companies emerge now that um, whether how different they are will will remain to be seen, but um, they're certainly rebranded and they sell themselves in a different way. One of the companies that uh, is marketing themselves in a very positive way and is operating in Victoria in this changed regulatory landscape is Assemble Futures uh, Rent to Buy Scheme. Chris Daff is the Managing Director. Chris, welcome to Life Matters. Hi, Larry. Thanks for having me. Great to have you with us. Now, you work with ANZ and a super fund to deliver this model. How does it work exactly compared to some of the others that we've seen on the market? Yeah, so we've been working on the model since about 2017. Um, and look, I, I sort of share the concerns of, of the sort of previous guests. Um, and what we, where we set out from is the starting point of trying to design a model that's, that's I guess, really fair for the, for the residents. Um, so... And then we worked with the Victorian government during 2019 and 20 to um, work on changes to the Sale of Land Act to work out what if you were going to have a rent-to-buy arrangement, what would um, the sort of elements of that be that would make it, it fair for residents. So, And there's a, a few core planks, and I think the previous um, guests have touched on them. One is um, that residents shouldn't pay more than market rent for an equivalent property sort of around the corner. So, and there shouldn't be any additional payments required to secure the right to purchase the property in the future. So, so then the premise of that is you're no worse off participating in this model than you would have been, you know, to the, to, to the extent that you can't complete the purchase for whatever reason, then you would have been working in a, uh, living in a normal rental property around the corner. So, well, yeah, Chris, I did wonder what happens if you don't manage to save enough in the five years that you're there with the set price ahead of you for the purchase. Do you get the option to extend the lease or do you just have to move? So we give people uh, up to up, sorry. We give people up to five. We love it, dog. Up to five years to um, purchase the property. So, um, and we're about to introduce some more flexibility where they can um, buy in a shorter period of time to the extent they get themselves in a, a better position financially. Um, but yeah, after the end of the five years, um, our um, model is, and we're pretty clear with people up front about this that um, you know they would move out at that point and, and we'll sell the property. So how is it different to people paying market rent elsewhere? You say it's market rent with Assemble and just saving a deposit. Why would they save more with you? 
Well, we support them, I guess, is one element. So, so we've got a financial coaching program that we've designed in partnership with ANZ and Australian That's Super, optional, so. isn't it? Yeah, they can opt into that. So some people are more comfortable with their household finances than others and some people need a little bit more support. It's, it's not financial planning. It's about sort of how to set up a household budget and potentially for people that have never thought ownership was an option for them, you know, what's a mortgage, how does that work, how much deposit do they need to save. So, you know, they need to save $100, 200 $300 a week over the, over the journey to, um, you know, to qualify for a mortgage at the back end of the five years. So... So, yeah, we think that's a really important service to be able to. So I think in the past, putting people into these um, sort of arrangements and, and then not supporting them, you know, is potentially where quite a few of them have come unstuck. Mm. Does it worry you that, you know, we're in a falling property market now and so people who've got their price locked in five years in advance might end up paying for overpriced properties back then? Well, they, I guess that's the beauty of the model and the changes that the Victorian government's made and, you know, in partnership with, you know, with, in consultation with us, you know, is that they don't have to buy the property and they can sort of walk away. So to the extent the pre-agreed price is um, higher than the market value at the time, you know, they can sort of say, well, um, you know, I'm not going to purchase the property and the reality is because they've only been paying market rent and there's no additional fees, then they can walk away and they're no worse off as a part of the experience. And mm. Hopefully they're better off because, you know, they've probably got a better relationship with money and, um, you know, had a good experience living in a really good quality home and, um, you know, had a bit of sort of support from us along the way. So, Chris Daff, your rents are set at the market rate, as you said. You don't charge some of the extra fees that some rent-to-buy models do. How is this financially sustainable for you, the landlord? Yeah, well, I guess, the, it's you know, it's illegal in Victoria to charge more than market rent um, under these arrangements, but... Um, I guess there's two elements to it. You know, one is obviously we, um, like a normal um, investment property, we collect <coughs> and they collect rent um, along the five years. Um, so that helps, you know, pay for our financing and everything else. Um, and then at the end of the day, to the extent, you know, we can support people on the journey and they can, they can buy the property, then um, obviously we get those the settlement proceeds at the back end of the, you know, the five years. Mm. And how many people are on your wait list, Chris? Oh, I think there's about um, you know close to ten thousand now. So um, and we've um, so we've got seventy three homes in Kensington operating, another four hundred across a couple of properties um, in Brunswick in Kensington under construction. And in December we bought um, in partnership um, with our business partner Australian Super um, three other large sites for over a thousand more homes. So. So we think, you know, a, a fair model that's, you know, focused on, you know, household outcomes, you know, and tenant outcomes, um, you know, has really got legs and could be, you know, potentially, you know, one part of the, the, the many solutions that we need to sort of fix the housing crisis. Mm. Chris, thanks so much for joining us and explaining your model to us today. No worries. Thanks for having me. Chris Daff, Managing Director of Assemble Futures. And, uh, yeah, using super funds to help with housing is something that's been suggested by various sides of politics in recent times. So that's an interesting aspect of that. We're speaking also with Dr Chris Martin, who's a Senior Research Fellow at the City's Futures Research Centre at the University of New South Wales, and Leo Patterson-Ross, CEO of Tenants Union New South Wales. Uh, Chris, the Consumer Action Law Centre found in 2016 that these models are never beneficial to potential purchases. That's that's a pretty sweeping statement. Uh, is that still the case, given the change in regulatory environment in some places? Yeah, I, well, uh, and I think the, the 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 consumer information that's available to people 
needs an update because uh, of the new players involved and also the, the, the regulation in Victoria. So the, the regulation in Victoria is, as Chris Daff was saying, is designed to ensure that those payments, those above rent payments that people were making for the, 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 the option to buy, do go towards the purchase price or do go back to the, the the resident if they don't go through with the purchase, and that's, that's so that's a significant change post the report by the the, uh, the legal centre down there. Um, however, other other states haven't done that, and it's not clear that all of the operators that have popped up in this space are are operating uh, according to the Victorian rules and uh, having. Uh, some some greater assurance um, from cons uh, consumer affairs or fair trading agencies about um, the you know, so information requirements uh, the the operator enforced by fair trading uh, on the operators about uh, the sort of arrangement you're getting into and also having some rules like the Victorian rules that keep the operators on the straight and narrow and ensure that those additional payments are uh, either go to the purchase price or they go back to the, the, the resident. So some of those th those things that were you know, really common uh, problems uh, historically for, for this sort of practice, uh, that still remains to be uh, tidied up and 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 made clear uh, in jurisdictions uh, outside Victoria. Text message just popped in. Uh, rent to buy. What happens if the promoter goes belly up before the sale is eventually completed? Is the renter and would-be purchaser left with a mouthful of ashes from Nigel in Queanbeyan? Chris, I assume they are left with a mouthful of ashes. Uh, well... Uh, again, like in, in the Victorian case, you've got a um, uh, those those additional payments you're making are supposed to go into a, a, a an account at a bank, uh, and there's supposed to be some assurance uh, around the um, around the, the the payment still being there. But you you would lose yeah, your I, option I to purchase, wouldn't you? Uh, well, I, uh, good question. Good, um, it, uh, I'm not sure what sort of security you might have in the property prior to completing the sale so that's a that's one of that's a, a good question to, to and and the sort of thing that we would all benefit from getting some clarity on and as i say it's it's really the the fair trading agencies that could be supplying it i prior to speaking to you i, I did a quick look of the, the fair trading website so for what their advice is about these schemes and new south wales doesn't have any current advice about them there is some advice older advice from new south wales legal aid saying you know sort of reflecting the historical experience and it's from a few years ago saying these are really risky for for consumers you know beware of them mm. uh the, the the wa's consumer protection agency is ha also has a similar advice um i think that that needs to be updated and that and there needs to be a clearer regulatory framework around these things a couple of quick questions before we finish up leo patterson ross i mean you can see why people as you say who have so few choices in the rental market let alone the the buying market might go for these schemes and they're marketed as providing accessibility for people who can't save for a deposit or lenders mortgage insurance or stamp duty are they helpful for that sector of the market 
so really, as, as Chris said earlier, the, uh, the problem is if you weren't able to meet those lending requirements, meet those financial requirements um, five years ago, you're not that much more likely to be able to meet it now, given a rising market, given that, as you say, some of these um, places that the price is nominally locked in, but some are actually increasing uh, by a fixed percentage each year. So, uh, there is a risk that you get to the end and you, you really can't perform that option anyway. I, but I think the bigger question is, you know, why are people being pressured or feeling pressured into uh, engaging with these schemes and engaging with uh, purchasing property anyway. And really, the answer is that we are keeping, at this point, it's essentially intentionally keeping the rental sector uh, an unpleasant, unstable and unaffordable experience. And so, the it's not the ownership itself that people are really uh, looking for. It's the stability of a home that you can rely on. It's the affordability that owning that home eventually gives you after you've paid off uh, the, the loan particularly. Um, and it means that you're not moving around. You don't have uh, you know the, the cost associated with that. So, um, in New South Wales, average tenancy is around eight months and the average move costs about $4,000. So, over the years of renting, that really adds up as an additional cost. So, keeping the renting sector a uh, unsatisfactory and, and, and often harmful experience is what pushes people towards uh, schemes that really aren't in their interest. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating uh, structural issue, I think. It's been really interesting discussing it with you this morning. Uh, Leo Patterson-Ross, CEO of the Tenants Union New South Wales, thanks so much for your time. Absolutely. And Dr Chris Martin from University of New South Wales City Futures Research Centre. Great to have you with us. Thank you. No worries, Hillary. Many, many texts on this. One simply saying, negative gearing has bitten. Stephen in Tasmania says, look at us, all running around trying to satisfy the bank's lending requirements. Make these greedy criminal banks change their lending criteria. They owe us after what the Royal Commission found. Or make our own RBA fund lifelong or even intergenerational mortgages as an option for renters. Cultural change, it sounds like, uh, needs to be on the cards to change this system. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.